0: Welcome to First Presbyterian Church in North Palm Beach, Florida. We exist to help people pursue and share gospel-driven lives. We hope, whether you're investigating faith, a seasoned follower of Jesus, and anywhere in between, this podcast helps you connect with Jesus. But I want to read the passage from Revelation chapter 5, starting from verse 1 to verse 10, as the scripture we are going to. then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus, as this congregation has been going through a series called Looking to Jesus, I pray that this message would enforce and continue the same invitation to look to Jesus all the upheavals and the storms of life. In the midst of all our brokenness, look to Jesus, the Lamb of God. in Christ's name, amen. You don't have to be an Iranian or living in a Muslim country or be oppressed and persecuted as a Christian or live in war-torn Syria or Ukraine in the earthquake-damaged cities of Turkey to experience brokenness. As I said, there is plenty of brokenness and suffering and pain and dysfunction and oppression going on around the world, but I'm sure there is a lot of suffering and brokenness right here in beautiful Florida, in our own lives, in our own neighborhoods. And the message I want to share with you, uh, it was really on my heart to come and share this with you as my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is not a missions pitch. Uh, This is a message from the Word of God as a pastor to brothers and sisters in Christ about how we need to keep looking to Jesus in the midst of all kinds of trials and discouragement and temptations and hurts and suffering. It's a message that is part of my own life because I also experienced a time of deep pain and suffering a few years ago. And uh, five years ago, I went into a time of tremendous uh pain, a time where I felt like my life was falling apart, nothing was making sense, life and death situation because of family health issues. And I came across a book that deeply impacted my life. This book is called Discipleship on the Edge by Daryl Johnson. Daryl Johnson is a professor at Regent College. I didn't know you guys were behind me. Hi, good morning. Sorry, I always like to address everyone. I, I thought you guys had walked off the stage. Daryl Johnson is a professor at Regent College. I had stayed away from the book of Revelation. It's a weird book. I didn't share this in the first service, Pastor Jared. When I first left Iran as a 16-year-old Muslim teenager, I went to Portugal to a Christian school. The very first day I arrived in this Christian school, right off the plane from Iran, they put me in a Bible class to test my English comprehension. And the Bible class was on dispensational eschatology the end-time scenarios of what might happen with Antichrist and the rapture and the Battle of Armageddon. That was my introduction to Christian faith right off the plane. And I, for 33 years, I did not touch that weird book at the end of the Bible. It's like, stay away from that book. It doesn't make any sense. Five years ago, in the midst of a lot of personal pain and tragedy, I came across this book that impacted my life. It invited me to look to Jesus. The verb look, the imperative look, is used 19 times in the book of Revelation. The most repeated command in the book of Revelation is look. In the midst of pain and suffering, look to Jesus. In the midst of confusion, look to Jesus. In the midst of temptation and loneliness, look to Jesus. Rome might pretend that it controls everything, but Jesus, the lamb, is sitting on the throne. He's the king of kings. So this book deeply impacted my life. And the passage that I read to you in the midst of a lot of my own pain and suffering gave me a lot of hope. And I want to share that hope with you today. This is the hope I have also shared with Iranians through conferences, satellite TV, pastoral counseling, leadership training. I've actually taught this book at a number of Iranian conferences for our Iranian Bible College, Pars Theological Center, and one of our students started raising money by selling cakes and cookies on YouTube, raised money, contacted the author, got permission to translate the book, so that book is now translated and published in Farsi too. So those are the kinds of leaders that we are motivating and inspiring to grow deeper in their faith. But I want us to look at the passage in Revelation chapter five, and Daryl highlights five truths from the passage I just read. He invites us to put on Revelation five glasses as we go through life. This is how we need to look at life. This is how we need to look at suffering and trials and times of confusion and despair and discouragement. Look to Jesus and look around the world with Revelation five glasses. It makes sense of life. It gives you hope and confidence to move forward in life. So I want to highlight five truths from the passage we read. Johnson says, "This, the Revelation five glasses gives us clarity to go through life." The first point: first, when we put on Revelation five glasses, we realize that at the center of reality is one who suffers. That's the heart of God. In chapter 4, John is talking about the one who is sitting on the throne. God the Father cannot describe him with any physical images, just the glory, holy, 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 all-powerful and mighty, the creator, Everybody's worshiping God, the one who's sitting on the throne. But as he is zooming in into the throne room of God, he's seeing a lamb that was slain at the very heart of the throne. John, wanting to describe what God is like, grabs an image of a lamb that is slain. He's told the lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy to open the scroll. But when he turns and looks, what he sees is a slain lamb. That message is the beauty of the gospel. And so Johnston says, at the center of reality is one who suffers. Revelation 5 glasses tell us we are never alone in suffering. The lamb is there in the center of the suffering. The throne feels human suffering which helps explain why the followers of the Lamb cannot avoid suffering. The closer we get to the heart of the Lamb, the closer we get to a heart that aches for a suffering world. That's what the invitation to mission is. If you want to get closer in your understanding and relationship with God as you're growing spiritually, God's heartbeat beats is for us to get closer to the suffering world. Enter into the suffering. Don't numb it. Don't cover it up. Don't deny it. Don't run away from it. Your own suffering and your neighbor's suffering. Move into that suffering and experience the healing presence of Christ. As you go to Cuba, as you come and hear the per- stories of persecuted Christians, as you go across the street and help with the nations that are coming to america and need help with esl refugees and immigrants that need help to be settled we move into the suffering of the people and we hear the heartbeat of god we encounter the lamb who was slain we are never alone in our suffering 5 years ago in the midst of in the depth of my darkness and pain i was at a hospital for a loved one that we didn't know if Uh, we're going to encounter even death or life. There was no sign of God, no answered prayers, no feeling of blessing, no feeling of closeness to God. And my wife and I would sit in the chapel of this Catholic hospital and just look at Jesus on the cross. I couldn't pray, I couldn't worship. I would just sit on the benches and just stare at Jesus on the cross. And in fact, I wrote in my Facebook one of those nights, I said, I never imagined that one day my only comfort from my Christian faith would be this line from the Apostles' Creed, and he descended into hell. That in my experience of my own hell, in my personal life, where I felt abandoned by God, I knew in my heart of heart that Jesus went into that abandonment on the cross ahead of me, for me, and in place of me. So Jesus is there with me. I am not alone. I am not abandoned. That was my only hope. I have been studying theology all for 38 years. The only thing I could hang on in life was the lamb that was slain. And he descended into hell. So at the heart of reality, the deepest truth about the God we worship is a God who has suffered. Point number two from this passage, Johnson goes on. At the center of reality, the second point from Revelation 5 glasses, is that we realize at the center of reality is grace, costly grace. This lamb went into, towards the cross, not because he is weak, but because he loved us and he wanted to rescue us from judgment. So at the heart of God is a suffering God, at the heart of reality is a God that is grace. And this message preaches for Iranian Muslims, because that's not, that's not how they have experienced or heard about God. And so when you tell them that in the midst of all your brokenness and suffering, when you tell the young people that are doing the, the uprising and the protests Jesus has suffered, Jesus understands, Jesus loves you, Jesus doesn't judge you the way the Muslim mullahs are judging you, how to dress, how to cover your hair, if you should do makeup, not makeup, how to talk between men and women, all these rules that are just suffocating the people of Iran, that when they hear the message that God is love, God sacrificed himself so you can become a daughter and a son of God through faith in Christ, that's what is changing and transforming the people of Iran. More Iranian, more Muslims have come to Christ in the last 20 years around the world than the last 1,400 years combined. And I always tell the church in America, Jesus is running around loose in the Muslim world. Jesus is running around loose in the midst of a lot of brokenness and pain and violence and extremism and suffering. Costly grace is drawing people from all nations, tribes, and languages to the throne room of God. Point number three, the third truth that we see from Revelation chapter 5, Johnson goes on to say, is that we realize that we work from the victory, not towards it. What that means is, Jesus has already won. Jesus right now is reigning. He right now is the king. He is on the throne. We already have the confidence that Jesus has won, and one day his win will be final and full. So we don't have to live with fear. We don't have to live with despair. We can get crushed. Our churches can be shut down. But Jesus has won, and the story is continuing. I was ordained in the Presbyterian Church of Iran. I am now an eco pastor, Pastor Jarek, but I was ordained. On behalf of the Presbyterian Church of Iran, I used to take Americans to Iran. We had a Presbyterian church in Iran, downtown Tehran, that was built in the 1860s. And I would tell the church in America, God has kept his people safe after all these ups and downs of our Iranian history. Well, that church is closed. (laughs) All the churches are closed. And the government says, this is the end of Christianity, now that we close the church buildings. Now we have 100 times more Christians in Iran meeting in house churches. The missionaries were kicked out in 1980, accused of being CIA agents. The government says this is the, end of the, this is the end of the church now that the American missionaries are kicked out. Now through satellite TV, through dreams and visions, miracles and healing, Bibles being distributed, it's estimated we have one or two million Iranian Muslims who are following Jesus in Iran. At the beginning of the revolution, we had 500. Now, the point is not kick out the Americans and the church will grow. I don't want you guys to misunderstand (laughs) it. The point is when it looks like life is falling apart, Jesus is on the throne. The slain lamb is on the throne. He knows what he's doing. In your personal life, if you feel like, you know, I haven't experienced an earthquake in Turkey, but, but my life seems like an earthquake is shaking everything. Jesus is on the throne. Look to Jesus. Don't lose hope. Don't live with fear. Be confident that Jesus is with you and he's already won the victory. Point number four. With Revelation glasses on, we realize that the way to the fullness of life is the way of the lamb. The lion gets to the throne. How? By being a lion? No, by being a lamb, a little lamb. That's the way of Jesus. In fact, some scholars say this is the most incredible reversal of imagery if in all of literature, that the lion of the tribe of Judah, when you look closer, is actually a slain lamb. Because Jesus wins his victory, not by being a ferocious lion destroying his enemies, by being a lamb that dies for his enemies. That's the way of the lamb. That's how he wins his victory. An Iranian, former bishop of the Iranian Assemblies of God Church was sharing this story with me. His own brother was martyred. His pastors were were assassinated. And he was arguing with God. God, you're not protecting your church. You've given all the benefits to our enemies. The Islamic regime has all the money, all the propaganda, all the guns. They're closing our churches, killing our pastors, people, Christians moving into exile. Where are your promises of protection? And God, he says, I felt like the Holy Spirit talked back to me and said, with all the power and wealth of the Iranian Islamic Republic, do you see Christians, Armenian, Assyrian Christians, traditional Christians, converting to Islam and starting mosques? And The pastor said, no. (laughs) But with all the persecution, do you see Muslims coming to faith in Christ and establishing churches? He said, yes. (laughs) He says, So I'm not losing, I'm winning. But winning through sacrificial love. Winning through following the way of the Lamb. Johnson continues Remember, the Lamb is not foolish. Jesus Christ is not a dummy. The Lamb has seven eyes. He's immensely wise. The Lamb is not weak. Jesus Christ is not a wimp. The lamb has seven horns. He is immensely strong. The greatest power in the universe is the weakness of sacrificial love. The greatest wisdom in the universe is the foolishness of sacrificial love. The Apostle Paul calls Christ crucified, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And this is, I'm not just talking about big picture nation stuff, this is our approach in life. In fact, Johnson goes on into the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes that your church is going through, I believe the people you are struggling with to love, to be kind to, when our heart is filled with anger and revenge, the way of the Lamb, the way of victory, is sacrificial love, sacrificial grace, the way of the Lamb. And point number five, and the final point. With Revelation 5 glasses on, we realize where it's all going. History is headed to the feet of the Lamb. That's the end of the story. Jesus will fully win we are confident of that. In Revelation 5, we read, the story continues in verse 13 of chapter 5. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that's in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. That's the story. History will go to the, feet, to the worship of the Lamb glorifying the lamb and the one who sits on the throne. These two pages that I quoted from saved my life in the deepest moments of my pain and suffering. These two pages have given hope to lots of Iranian Christians who face persecution and suffering. And from the bottom of my heart this morning, my hope for every one of you is that you are filled with hope by looking to the lamb on the throne. And then by asking God, how can I move closer to your heart, a heart that aches for this world, a heart that wants me to enter into the suffering of the world with sacrificial love, with costly grace, with hope and confidence, with, not with fear, but with humility and see whether God is calling us, whether it's going on a mission trip, whether it's reaching out to the neighbor that God has brought to you, talking to your own wife or children who might be suffering and feeling alone. So this passage has applications in all aspects of life, not just mission and going overseas. And just like I receive hope, I hope that this morning Uh, you have received this message of hope as well. Jesus, thank you that you are the Lamb on the throne. Help us to live our life in all aspects of our life in in alignment, in submission to this truth that you are the King who died and rose again. We're coming back to establish the Father's kingdom and you're inviting us to Say yes to your vision for our life. To let you be the hero of the story. To give up our role to be the hero of our story. And to acknowledge that you want us to be a part of your story of redemption. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at FPC. For more info and to connect with us, check out www.firstpresnpb.org.